long. Um, all right, our memory verse for this month is Psalm 16, verse 11. So let's take a look at that on the screen and uh, see if we can fill in these blanks together. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 16, 11. And uh, Lord willing, next Sunday, uh, we'll be in Psalm 16 as we consider uh, the, the path of life that our Lord makes known to us. Well, I hope you've found Psalm 22 in your Bibles. Let's turn our attention there. We saw last week that while David wrote Psalm 22, and he wrote it a thousand years before Jesus, ultimately, uh, the New Testament teaches us that the words of Psalm 22 are the words of Jesus. And we see this most clearly as the Gospels record Jesus on the cross speaking the words of Psalm 22 aloud. And so at the start of this Holy Week, this week where we remember the death and resurrection of Jesus, let's turn our ears to the passage that was on Jesus' lips as he died. If you're able, would you please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word? We looked at the first 21 verses last week. This week we're going to be focused on verses 22 through 31, but let's read all of Psalm 22 for context. To the choir master, according to the doe of the dawn, a psalm of David. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Yet... You are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel, and you are fathers trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued, and you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you was I cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Many many bulls encompass me, Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. 
They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord. And he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust. Even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn that he has done it. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. And you may be seated. Last week we said that Psalm 22 can be summed up this way. The king who rules the nations is the king who suffered death. The king who rules the nations is the king who suffered death. The cross came before the crown. And it's fitting that we would be in this psalm on Palm Sunday. Because on Palm Sunday, King Jesus entered Jerusalem. He was seemingly praised by his brothers, this congregation. Mark 11, verses 9 and 10 tell us that the people were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest. And he was the promised offspring of David. The one who would reign as king. He was the one who would save his people. But what Jesus knew that this crowd did not is that the cross would come before the crown. He was entering Jerusalem at the beginning of the week so that at the end of the week he could be led out of Jerusalem to Golgotha where he would be executed. In order to save his people, he himself would suffer and die. Before his exaltation to the throne of heaven would come his humiliation to the point of death. 
as King Jesus died on the cross, he had Psalm 22 on his lips. In the first 21 verses of Psalm 22, King Jesus describes his suffering. He describes his spiritual suffering, how he was forsaken by God, how God was not saving him from suffering, how God was not answering him. He describes not only his spiritual suffering, but also his emotional or social suffering, how he was despised, he was mocked. But then, of course, he also describes his physical suffering. How he was surrounded by these beastly enemies ready to devour him. How his body was limp and lifeless and dried up and broken. How his enemies considered him as good as dead. And in between these descriptions of suffering, as we read, King Jesus turned his attention to God. He remembered God's past faithfulness. He remembered how God had delivered his people in the past. He remembered how God had cared for him even from birth. And then he he cried out to God to deliver him. He, He cried out to the God who was far to come near and save him. He cried out to the God who wasn't saving to come and help him. And then in verse 22, this psalm takes this dramatic turn. The king turns his attention from suffering to praise. The king turns from pleading to God for deliverance to praising God for deliverance. If we imagine Jesus on the cross meditating on Psalm 22, what we see is this. Even in his suffering and crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was anticipating the celebration of praise that would come on the other side of his suffering. The praise that Jesus anticipates in Psalm 22 involves the praise in the congregation that we just read but not only that this praise that he anticipates is also the worship of the nations and what we're going to see as we walk through psalm 22 is that this praise is the result of king jesus sharing first the praise in the congregation comes from sharing in christ's salvation And then the worship of the nations comes from sharing the message of salvation. So we're going to look at both of these sharing experiences in this last part of Psalm 22. First of all, sharing in Christ's salvation in verses 22 through 26. Sharing in Christ's salvation. So look with me again at verses 22 and 23. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him. All you offspring of Israel, 
So Jesus describes this scene of standing in the congregation of the people of God. He's no longer surrounded by his enemies. He's surrounded by his brothers. And he's praising God in their midst. And then look at verse 23. Uh, Again, you who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. Stand in awe of him. So Jesus calls his brothers to praise God with him. He, He looks at his fellow Israelites, the offspring of Jacob. He leads them in worship. Well, so what is the reason for this worship in verses 22 and 23? Well, that reason is given in verse 24. For he, God, has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. So King Jesus is praising because God has delivered. Notice the reversals that have happened from the beginning of the psalm to the end. Though the king was despised by man, God has not despised him. Though for a moment the king was forsaken by his God, now the king can say he has not hidden his face from him. Though for a moment God did not answer the words of his groaning, now the king can say he has heard when the king cried to him. And as we consider this praise of deliverance, again, on the mouth of Jesus, as he's considering what his deliverance is, what is that deliverance? What, what did that look like for Jesus? It was his resurrection. His suffering was his death on the cross as he was laid in the dust of death. But when God delivered him, that was his resurrection. God chose not to deliver Jesus from the cross so that he could deliver him from the grave. He chose not to deliver Jesus from dying so that he could deliver him from death. Here at the end of Psalm 22, the king, who in verse 15 was laid in the dust of death, is now alive and he's standing with his brothers, praising God for how he delivered him. King Jesus continues his worship in verses 25 and 26. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. So the the scene that he is painting here is a description of a particular kind of offering that was outlined in the law, a a vow offering. The idea is that a person who was suffering would make a vow to God as they were crying out for help. Uh, So kind of like, you know, God, if you deliver me, then I will give you an offering of worship. So then when that person was delivered, as they asked, they would then offer an animal as a sacrifice, and then within this offering, they would eat the animal that was uh, sacrificed as a, a burnt offering. They would eat it as part of this celebration of worship and thanksgiving for the deliverance that God provided. And at times, what we see in the law, a person 
offering this vow offering and and feasting on this animal that was sacrificed would also invite others to come and share with him in this feast of celebration, this feast of the vow offering. And here in Psalm 22, that's the picture. The king, Jesus, is describing fulfilling his vows after God delivered him. He himself was afflicted, and he is feasting in thanksgiving to God for delivering him out of his affliction. And then in these verses, he's inviting others who are afflicted to come and eat and be satisfied in his feast of worship. He is inviting the afflicted to participate in his deliverance. And notice this really interesting phrase as he is painting this picture of others participating in the worship that came from him being delivered. His prayer is not just that they would praise. His prayer is not just for their praise, but for their eternal life. He says, may your hearts live forever. So what we see here is that King Jesus is inviting those who seek the Lord to participate in the deliverance that the Lord has given him, which we said was his resurrection from the dead. And Jesus invites his brothers to participate in his resurrection in such a way that they themselves might have eternal life. We see this idea unpacked more in Hebrews. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. We're going to see the author of Hebrews quote from Psalm 22 as he is describing uh, this reality of what Jesus has done in his death and uh, what God has done in exalting him. Look, uh, starting at verse 9 of Hebrews chapter 2. But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death. So again, cross comes before the crown. Okay, so uh, Jesus crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone for it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist namely god in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation christ perfect through suffering let me read that verse again it was fitting for whom uh, that he for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering for he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. So this is God's plan to bring those who deserve eternal death under his wrath 
into eternal life in his presence and glory. God charted a path to bring sinners to glory. But that path was a path through suffering and death. And Jesus became like one of us so that he could walk that path for us. The Son of God became a man. He lived a perfect human life. He suffered as a human. And though he was the perfect Son of God and his deity forever, he learned what it looked like to live a perfect human life as a man. Then he died the death we deserved to die. And then he received the deliverance we need as he was delivered by God from the grave. So he died in our place, the death we deserve to die. And then after that, he received the deliverance we need, the deliverance from the grave that God provided. Then he was crowned with glory and honor. He lives forever. And God brought him through this path all the way through his humiliation and exaltation, all the way through his suffering and death to resurrection and glory, in order that we might share in his deliverance. In order that Jesus, who was delivered, might share his deliverance with his brothers. God brought Jesus through suffering to glory so that Jesus could bring many sons to glory. We now can be delivered if we share in Jesus' deliverance by faith in him. This is the heart of the gospel. The father crushed his son and then delivered him from the grave so that we could participate in his deliverance of Jesus from the grave. So that we could live forever. Paul says in Romans 6 that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Paul says in Ephesians 2 that if we're in Christ, we are made alive together with Christ. That God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Christ in the heavenly places. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So here's, here's what I'm getting at. Salvation is not some thing that Jesus went out and got and then hands to us. Salvation is found in Jesus. It's found in him, the person. We are saved by being united to Jesus by faith. He died and was delivered out of death. And we are not saved alongside that salvation. It's not just that Jesus died and was 
was delivered out of death. And then we also, in a similar way, are kind of like that in the salvation we receive. No, we are saved because we share in his salvation, in his being delivered from the grave. He shares his salvation with us. We are saved by being united to his death. We are saved by being, re, uh, being united to his resurrection through faith. The reason our hearts can live forever, as Psalm 22 says, is if we are joined to Jesus who lives forever. So, what does this mean for us? Well, first of all, if you have never trusted in Jesus, you need to know that Jesus offers you his salvation for free if you give your life to him. Jesus' salvation, his salvation from sin, his salvation from the power of sin, his salvation from sin being your master, his salvation from death, his salvation from the wrath of God. It's a free gift that you do not have to do anything to earn. Jesus has done everything necessary to pay for you to be saved from sin and death. But this salvation that Jesus offers you, again, it's not like he offers you this little present that's separate from him. Salvation isn't something that's found outside of Jesus that he just hands to you as a free gift, like a little box with a bow on it. No, salvation is found by embracing Jesus as your all in all. You will not have eternal life simply because you believe you're going to have eternal life. You know, like saying, I, I believe I'm going to heaven when I die. Just believing that you're going to heaven when you die is not saving faith. Just believing, yeah, this is going to happen. I believe it's going to happen. And I'm, I have a really strong faith that I'm going to go to heaven when I die. That's not saving faith. Saving faith is trusting in the person of Jesus. You will not have eternal life simply because of your religious affiliation. You know, I was raised as a Christian. I go to church, and we believe in heaven, so I'm going to go there. That is not saving faith. Religious affiliation, checking the box, you know, I'm Christian, not Muslim or Hindu. That is not saving faith. Saving faith is banking on the person of Jesus, placing your confidence in him. We receive Jesus' salvation only if we trust in the person of Jesus. Life is found in him and nowhere else. So, have you given your life to the person of Jesus? Have you gone all in on Jesus? Have you placed your confidence in him for deliverance, in him for eternal life? Have you attached yourself to him for eternity? If you do, you will be saved in him and have life in him through his deliverance. You can be saved as a free gift if you give your life to Jesus. And if you are saved, we need to understand that our salvation 
is secure because it is Jesus' salvation. Our security in our salvation comes from the fact that we are invited to share in God delivering Jesus from death and the grave. We share in his deliverance. So, when your sin causes you to doubt your salvation, remember what salvation truly is. God did not look at you and say, hey, wow, you really made a mess of your life. But I will wipe the slate clean and give you another chance. As if, you know, we were given a gift, but it's ours to maintain. We've got to keep it up. Well, if that were the case, when we sin, we should doubt our salvation. Oh, no, I mean, am I, am I doing enough to keep this thing going? But that is not how God saves us. No, when God saves us, he joins us to the person of Jesus Christ. We are immersed into the one who has already dealt with the full weight of the wrath of God for all sin. As we sang before, to this I hold, my hope is only Jesus, for my life is wholly bound to his. Oh, how strange and divine. I can sing all is mine, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Our salvation is secure because it is Jesus' salvation and we are in him. Imagine that the Coast Guard finds a lifeless body at the bottom of the ocean. They pull him up. They're able to resuscitate him. And as the man comes to, uh, they're telling him, hey, we're, we're going to take you to shore. But the man starts to worry and he says, well, but what if I'm too weak to swim? What if I can't hold my breath? And they kind of look at him puzzled and say, uh, sir, you're already on the boat. The man says, but, but what if I can't make it to shore? And they say, you don't have to make it to shore. The boat is going to make it to shore. And you're in the boat. That's salvation. You don't have to deliver yourself from death. Jesus was delivered from death. And you are in him. So when you're looking for security, look to Jesus. When you're looking for assurance, look to Jesus. When you want to know that your eternal life is sure, look to Jesus. Our life is wholly bound to his. If we are saved, our salvation is secure because it is Jesus's salvation. Well, as we continue on in Psalm 22, what we see is that the king doesn't just want to include the congregation of Israel in his praise. He calls for the worship of all nations. And this happens as the psalm shifts from sharing in Christ's salvation to sharing the message of salvation. Sharing the message of salvation. So look at verses 27 and 28 of Psalm 22. The king says, All the ends of the earth 
shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. So the king is looking forward to a day when people from every nation turn to the God of Israel. Because the God of Israel is the sovereign king over all nations. And he is worthy of the worship of all nations because of the salvation that he has worked for his king. This deliverance of the king who cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This deliverance as he did not despise the affliction of the afflicted. That is reason for every soul on earth to praise God. The God of Israel promised blessing to all the families of the earth through an offspring. When in Genesis twenty-two eighteen, God told Abraham, in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice and king jesus is that offspring it is through this salvation that we see in psalm 22 that blessing can come to all nations because king jesus suffered unto death and god delivered him from the grave all the nations can turn to yahweh and receive his blessing The king goes on to describe the universal scope of this shared blessing in verse 29. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow down all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. So notice there's the prosperous here. Those who are at the top, they're part of this worship. And all who go down to the dust, those who are at rock bottom, they bow down and worship. There is even hope in this verse of worship from the person who's not able to keep himself alive. There's worship after death. And it reminds me of Philippians 2 verse 10. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and under the earth. All people, everywhere, will bow to King Jesus. Well, Psalm 22 ends with the king looking forward to the word of his salvation spreading from generation to generation. Look at verses 30 and 31. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. Uh, That word posterity is the same as offspring in verse 23. Uh, The idea is that there would be generations after this moment when the king was delivered from the grave, the generations that would serve the Lord. This message about God's salvation would be passed down to the next generation. People who weren't even alive at the time the king was delivered would be told about the way that Yahweh demonstrated his righteousness through the salvation of his king. What we see here is that the king who shares his salvation with us invites us to share the message of his salvation with the nations. 
What has happened to King Jesus is too good not to tell. Here is this king who suffered and died. And he was delivered from the grave. The one who was dead is alive today. And he invites people everywhere to come to him and share in this salvation. To have life after death like he has. I mean, this is the message of Holy Week. This week that's upon us. And how can we not share this good news? It's the most amazing thing that the world has ever seen. So let me encourage all of us to consider how we can leverage this week, Holy Week, to tell people about Jesus who is alive. Who can you think of that you can talk to this week about the salvation that Jesus offers in himself, this life in him. I mean, all this week, the calendar is a gospel conversation starter. How can we take advantage of that? Who can you uh, not only share with throughout the week, but who can you invite to come and hear the gospel all this week at our Holy Week events. Invite families, maybe in your neighborhood, uh, co-workers. Invite families to come on Wednesday. We're going to have the gospel shared as uh, we have this uh, various ways to look at uh, the death and resurrection of Jesus, particularly uh, in a way that is, uh, is suitable for, for kids. Uh, invite people to come on Good Friday. Invite people to come on Easter Sunday next week. Uh, as, again, this week, gives us so many opportunities to tell people the good news of Jesus. But as we think about our role of sharing this message of salvation, whether it's this week or any week or going even beyond our borders into hard-to-reach areas, uh, we're called to share this message of salvation. And even as we get excited about the message and get motivated to communicate it we also just need to acknowledge and remember that this is not easy the commission that jesus has given us is not something that's easy uh, the christ that we have joined our lives to is a christ who suffered so that people could receive this salvation and we need to understand that as he brings many sons to glory our path to glory is one of suffering, just like Jesus' path to glory was one of suffering. The cross comes before the crown, not just for Jesus, but for us, the ones that Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. But because we have joined our lives to Christ, we also have in him the source of strength that we need in order to be able to do this hard thing, in order to be able to do the hard work of proclaiming the gospel. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. And I want us to go here because in these words, 
Paul makes this statement at the end of his letter, and he uses language that is remarkably similar to Psalm 22. He doesn't come right out and quote Psalm 22, uh, but he uses language that's similar, and in these words, we can find our strength to endure in the ministry of sharing the gospel. Look at what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles, all the nations might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul wanted all the families of the nations to hear the gospel and the path of proclamation was a lot like Psalm 22:16 for dogs encompass me a company of evil doers encircles me but Paul found hope in the fact that because he was in Christ the Lord Jesus would rescue him and bring him safely into his heavenly kingdom just like the father rescued Jesus And brought him into the heavenly kingdom. And even in the midst of his suffering, Paul found strength in the Lord Jesus. He found power to proclaim the gospel because his life had been wholly bound to him. So, as you proclaim the message of the gospel, as you proclaim the message of salvation... Remember the blessings of salvation. We not only proclaim the message that Jesus invites all people to join their lives to him. We do proclaim that. But even as we proclaim, we also live in the good of the fact that we have joined our lives to him. We proclaim that Jesus is inviting people to join their lives to him as we ourselves live in the good of the fact that we have joined our lives to him. We proclaim the message of salvation in the blessings of salvation. Jesus stands by us and strengthens us as we tell the coming generation about what the Lord has done. Jesus stands by us and strengthens us as we proclaim his righteousness that the unrighteous can be justified by faith. Jesus stands by us and strengthens us as we tell the ends of the earth what God has done in Christ. And so, as we think about our role in proclaiming this message, sharing this message of salvation, remember that not only are we called to proclaim it, we get to proclaim it in the strength that Jesus provides in himself. We live in the good of salvation as we proclaim the message of salvation. May that help us as we look 
at this task knowing we are not alone. Jesus said, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Well, I'd like to conclude with the passage that we began our service with this morning, the passage that Doug looked at in the prayer. It just seems fitting to loop back in one more time. You can flip there with me to Revelation chapter 5. I want to conclude our time in Psalm 22 in Revelation 5 because it so beautifully captures the essence of the message of Psalm 22. How the cross leads to the crown. How King Jesus shares his deliverance with his people and how King Jesus shares his deliverance with the nations. Look with me just at verses 8 through 10 as we close. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth would you bow with me Father, we bow before you in worship. We bow as a congregation praising you for how you delivered Jesus from the grave. How you heard his cry. And Lord, how in him you will hear our cry how you delivered him and how in him we can be delivered. Lord, the king who rules the nations is the king who suffered death. That was your plan for your glory and our deliverance. Lord, I pray that we would find our life in Christ. Lord, I pray that Lord, if there's anyone in here who has a, an idea that salvation can be anything other than life in Jesus, I pray that, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, you would shatter that notion so that they can see the immense glory that you offer by giving none other than your son. Lord, I pray that we would be satisfied with nothing less than the person of Jesus and find our life and salvation and deliverance in him. Find our joy in giving our entire lives to him. Lord, 
not just our, our praise in the congregation on a Sunday morning, but Lord, the, the worship and offering of worship of our whole lives to this King whom you delivered from the grave, who delivers us from the grave. Lord, I pray that you would find us bowing in worship for what you have done for Christ and in Christ. We love you and praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.